Today we're going to continue our sermon series, Timely Answers to Tough Questions. In our series, we are looking at big questions that we might have, and big questions that I believe are relevant today. So far in our study, we've looked at the question, is the Bible still relevant today? Is it fitting for life today? Does it need to be updated? Does there need to be some addition to it? Is the Bible still relevant today? Last week, we looked at the question, am I saved? A word that we use quite often, am I saved? What does it mean to be saved? And can we be certain, can we know that we are saved? Well, next week, we're going to look at the question, is my baby in heaven? We're going to talk about uh, the death of infants, a question that applies to many people. Is my baby in heaven? The week after that, what does the Bible say about abortion? The week after that, isn't science at odds with the Bible? Don't these two things seem to conflict? What about the truth about racism? What is the truth about racism? A very timely subject in our day. The next week after that, what does God say about homosexuality? And we're going to see what God has said. There's some say, well, Jesus never spoke on that. We're going to see what the Bible says, what God has said about homosexuality. Then our final question, our final week, what is the Christian response to transgenderism? And I believe it's a sermon we need to hear in our day. Well, today our question is, what happens when you die? What happens when you die? Now, as we start, be sure this is a very emotional subject. Uh, be sure it is a subject that has much speculation tied to it. It has much tradition woven into it, and it has honestly some pagan mysticism tied to it. And it is a subject, like all subjects, where the truth is better than the lie. So this is a subject with a whole lot of non-truth tied to it, with a lot of tradition tied to it. And I want to tell you, the truth is better than the lie. And hear me this morning, it is in the truth, and it is only in the truth where we will find hope and we will arrive at peace. I read a statistic, it goes on for several years. It's a statistic that says the universal greatest fear of man is death. And so this survey says the universal greatest fear of all mankind is death. It says the second one is public speaking. Well, today our goal is to, I'm going to publicly speak about death, so it's a double thing. Well, today our goal is to examine this subject in the lens of God's Word and arrive at peace. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. That is the potential for this message. That is the potential for this morning. That is the possibility that we would hear what God says, we would hear about God's truth, and that wherever we are at today, we would arrive at peace. That is the possibility in our message this morning. What happens when you die? We're going to look at many verses. Many verses are included in our study. I've chosen some verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 to start with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 
through 18. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Listen to that. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that your truth stands. We're thankful that your truth speaks, that it's relevant in this day. Lord, I pray as we come to this subject, a subject that grieves our hearts, a subject that hurts, we come and I pray that we would receive the truth of your word. We would receive the truth of your promise. And I pray, Lord, that we would arrive at peace today, wherever we're at with this subject. I pray we would have a greater foundation of peace at the conclusion of this hour. I pray for some that do not know Christ. I pray in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus that today they might turn to you. I pray that whatever needs to happen for that to be facilitated, for any hindrance to be removed, I pray that it happens. And I pray that today in the hearing of the gospel, the response pleases you and points to you. Lord, I, I pray for some that are suffering today. Some that come and as they have recently stood by a graveside, some that their hearts still sting from the process, some that has stung for many years. I pray, Lord, that you would be the great comforter today, that you would be, again, their peace founded in truth today. And I pray the result would be a deeper love for you. Lord, we come and we lay this hour out before you. We ask that you speak and you move through it, that you're known and glorified through it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What happens when you die? What happens when you die? Well, first off this morning, let's start and let's be very clear. There is much non-truth held to as truth when it comes to the subject of death. You may realize that, you may not realize that, but there is much non-truth that is held to and promoted as truth when it comes to the subject of death. Yet again, we're going to be very sure today, the truth is always better than the lie. So there's many things that aren't true about this subject, but we're going to see today the truth is always better than the lie. So in that vein, let me start today by telling you what does not happen when you die. And I think that's the natural starting place. Let me be clear today, what does not happen when you die? Now, some of these ideas 
are the result of tradition. Some of them are the result of well-intended people trying to cheer others up. And this is something they might say to try to cheer others up. Some of them are the result of pagan or worldly ideas being attached to the subject of death. Nevertheless, wherever they came from, be sure these things do not happen when you die. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. You do not become a cardinal, a red bird, and you do not make visitations to loved ones as a cardinal. That also goes for butterflies as well. You do not get wings. There's no such thing as a halo. You do not get wings when you die. You do not become an angel when you die. Be sure of that. No person becomes an angel. You do not become an angel when you die. You do not become a guardian angel, not any other type. You do not become a guardian angel when you die. You do not get the job of looking over others, watching over others, looking out for others. God does that, and he's doing just fine. So that does not become your job in death. You do not go to purgatory. Purgatory is a place where you can be saved out of. You do not go to purgatory, very simply, because no such place exists. There is no thing such as purgatory. Here's another one. You do not rest in peace. You do not rest in peace. Now that's attached to the idea of soul sleep, that you're sleeping in your grave for a later date. That is not the reality. We do not, as believers, rest in peace. Here's another one. You do not go around and leave tokens of your presence dropping pennies in somebody's path or any other thing. You do not go around leaving tokens of your presence. Now let me just say this. As I have said that, some of you may already be offended this morning. Some of you may be mad this morning. Now listen to me. I want you to stay with me. I've heard those things. I want to tell you, listen to me. The truth is better. Do you hear me? Stay with me. The truth is so much better. Let's get moving. So if that is not what happens, what happens when you die? If those things do not happen, what happens when you die? Now, the first thing we need to do is to define what it is to die. Now, there may be some discussion about that. Um, Medical people, those in the science field may have different definitions. But biblically, what does it mean to die? Biblically, to die is to be separated from your spirit. Biblically, to die is to be separated from your spirit. It's not when your heart stops. It's not when your brain activity ceases. But biblically, you are dead when you are separated from your spirit. The apostle James says in James chapter 2, verse 26, the body without the spirit, the word for spirit there is the Greek word pneuma. The body without the pneuma, the body without the spirit is dead. That's what he says. The body without the spirit is dead. Remember the account of the crucifixion. John chapter 19, verse 30. In that account, Jesus says, the Bible says, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and the Bible says this, and he gave up his spirit. 
We are dead when our spirit, our life force, leaves our body. At that point, the body is physically dead. So what is it to be biblically dead? It is for your spirit to be separated from your body. Okay, that's the definition we're going to use. Next, the important thing to determine is this. The important thing to be sure of is this. Listen very carefully. Every person will die. Some of y'all are on diets and exercising, trying to act like you're not going to die. Listen to me. (laughs) I don't fall into that camp. Every person will die. Every person will experience death. Except those that are alive, when Jesus comes, all people will die. Did you hear what I said? Except Jesus coming again, you will die. The row you're sitting on, those folks will die. Your loved ones, they will die. All of us, all of them, barring Jesus is coming again, we will die. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Therefore it is appointed a time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, and the Bible says, and a time to die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, and it is appointed for men, people, once to die. Now, friends, let me tell you something right here. I think we dislike this subject so much, and we try to push it so far out of our view that we are surprised by death. And I'll tell you, that's what our culture does. I I think we don't like it so much. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to look at it. We push it so far down the road. We push it so far out of view that we are caught off guard by death. Well, listen to me. The reality is this. Except for Jesus coming again, you will, I will, we will physically die. That's the truth. So if that's the reality... We go back to the question, so what happens when we die? Now, at this point, there is now a split in the road. And this one question now turns into two different discussions. We have one question, what happens when you die? There's now a split in the road, and it now turns into two separate discussions. The first question, the first discussion is this. What happens when you die if you are not saved? What happens when you die if you are not saved? Now, what that means is if you have not trusted Jesus as the Savior for your sin, what happens to you? If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, if you haven't claimed him as your Savior, what happens to you when you die? Hear this. Be sure of this. Most people are not saved. You know, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. Most people are not saved. Most people are lost. Now, it's not because God didn't make a way. In Jesus, he did. It's not because God doesn't show you grace. In Jesus, he does. But it is because you reject Jesus and you deny his gospel. Most people aren't saved. 
And it's not because Jesus doesn't love them. It's not because Jesus didn't make a way. He did. It's not because God's grace is not offered to them. It's because they have rejected Jesus and they've denied the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Let me tell you something that's happened today. Today, now we might not say it out loud, but today in practice, we act like or we believe all people go to heaven. And we act like, well, the prerequisite to going to heaven is to die. And so if anyone dies, well, they're in a better place. Well, if anyone dies, they're in heaven. I'm taking hope in that. And we start to act like the prerequisite, all you need to do to get to heaven is to die. It comforts us to come along and say, well, they were a good person. They're in heaven. Well, they were my good friend. They're part of my family. I sure loved them. They're part of my family They're in heaven. Well, they were generous. Did you know them? They were generous. They'd give you the shirt off their back. Oh, they were so generous. There's no way they're not in heaven. They were a hard worker all their life. They worked hard. They're in heaven. Or they had a hard life. Oh, they had such a hard life. They deserve heaven. So they are in heaven. Folks, listen to me very carefully. None of those things are the criteria. Now listen, they may have been a hard worker, They may have been a good person. They may have been your brother, your mother, your father. They may have been your precious aunt. But it's only in receiving Jesus in faith, only in trusting Jesus in faith, that that person is saved. And if they have not, if they have not said, I see my sin, if they've not said, I see Jesus as the remedy for my sin, if they've not said, I trust Jesus and I turn from my sin, turning to Jesus in faith. If they have not, here's what the Bible says happens to them. The first thing the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when they die, they have no hope. That's what the Bible says. They have No hope. They have no future. They have no hope of a solution ever coming. They have no hope, and they are forever hopeless. When a non-believer dies, they have no hope. They're without hope. Second thing is this. When a non-believer dies, they are judged, condemned in their sins. Hebrews chapter 9 says it's appointed for man once to die and then judgment. They are judged and now eternally condemned in their sin. Let me tell you what that means. That means they can't be saved. There's no need to pray for them. There's no need to pay penance for them. They cannot be saved. They cannot receive salvation. At this point, God's grace is not extended to them. At this point, God's grace is no longer available to them. They bear the guilt of their sin, and now they will stand under the guilt of their sin for all eternity. Guilty for eternity. Third thing is this. When a non-believer dies... Now they are guilty and condemned for their sin, and they now start to endure the punishment for their sin. When a non-believer dies, they are guilty, condemned in their sin, they now begin to pay the punishment, to endure the punishment, the penalty 
for their sin. In death, remember the definition, the spirit is separated from the body. For those outside of Christ, those that are not saved, the spirit goes to a place in the Old Testament, it was called Sheol. Sheol. It also translates the grave, the pit, the depths of the grave. The Greek word is Hades. And so when a non-believer dies, they are separated from their body, their spirit is, and they are found in Sheol, the place of death, Hades. In this place, they are separated from God. In this place, they are separated from believers. Believers will not be in this place. And in this place, here's the great reality. In this place, they are in great torment. Listen, that's not allegorical. That is the reality. They are in great torment. They are in great suffering. In the New Testament account of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man in this place, the Bible says he begs for relief. Go and, and read the urgency in the account in anguish. Oh, that he would dip his finger in a drop of water and place it on my tongue. Oh, for a drop of water. In anguish, he begs for relief. And in this place, the unsaved dead will await their final judgment. The fourth thing for the unsaved dead, for those that die outside of Christ, at the final judgment, those in this place, Shoal, Hades, they will be presented for their formal sentencing at the great white throne judgment. John chapter 5 says, they are resurrected to a resurrection not of life, but of judgment. They are resurrected for a resurrection of judgment. Understand, at this time, they will stand before the righteous judge, Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that. They will stand before their Savior, Jesus. They will stand before the one who loved them. They will stand before Jesus who died for them. They will stand before the Savior who desired eternal peace and joy and the escaping the forgiveness of sin. That was his plan for them. And they will stand before that Savior, Jesus, having rejected and rebelled against him. Yeah, they're going to see Jesus, and they're going to see him face to face. But it won't be as Savior that they see him. They will see him as righteous judge. And at this point, there will be no appeals to make. At this point, there's going to be no defense to offer. You can't come in there and bring a suitcase and say, well, you don't know about my parents. Well, you don't know about my past. Well, you don't know about the conditions that I existed in. There will be no defense offered. At this point, all of the silly ideas of fun and the plans to party all the way to Hell's Gate will be revealed then as utter foolishness and they will stand before the righteous judge, Jesus. And at this point, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 20, they will be, here's the Bible's word, thrown, eased, no, carried, no, led, 
The Bible says they will be thrown into the lake of fire, a place built for and now filled with Satan and all of his demons, and they will have reached the final destination of sinners outside of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me this morning, and eternity will ensue. It will not end. There is no relief. Eternity will ensue. What happens when you die? Outside of Jesus Christ, listen to me this morning, friend. This is your fate. Folks, I want to tell you today, with all that I have, listen, with all that I have, I tell you this morning, I beg you this morning, I urge you this morning, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Outside of Jesus, this is your faith. Fate. While there's still time, turn to Jesus. He will forgive you today. He will receive you today. Turn to Jesus. I told you there are two roads. There's another road. There's another question to answer, another discussion to have. And that is this. What happens to you when you die if you're saved? If you've trusted Jesus Christ, if you've claimed him as your Lord and Savior, if you've trusted him as the remedy for your sin, what happens to you when you die if you're saved? Now go with me. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted Christ, you're saved. And when you die, you are wearing the righteousness of Jesus. When you die, you're not in your sin, you're in Christ. You're wearing the righteousness of Jesus. And so when you die, the Bible says your body, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it is a tent. Now I want you to listen to these words. These are very telling words. These are the words that God chooses. When you die, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as a follower of Jesus Christ, your body was a tent. It was a temporary dwelling place. It has served its purpose. And so you put off your tent. That's what the Bible says. You put off your tent. Now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's burial. It doesn't matter if it's cremation. It doesn't matter if you're lost at sea. But you're done with your tent, and so you put off your tent. The tent is put off, and it's done away with. In that instant... There is no purgatory. There is no soul sleep. There is no delay. Listen to me. In that instant, you are in the presence of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, to be absent from the body. Now, I want you to see this. Here is the tent. To be absent from the tent, to have, living, being, have been living, having left the tent, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. That, that word means present with the Lord, with the Lord, exactly in time with the Lord. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. Listen to me. Jesus, the Lord of lords, King of glory, Jesus, the Savior of the cross, are you... Are you seeing it? The Savior of the cross, Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. Listen, this is personal. He died for you. He paid your penalty. Jesus, the friend of sinners, 
Jesus, the eternal hope. Jesus, the beautiful truth. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the prince of peace. Jesus, in that instant, you are with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Did you hear what I said? You're with Jesus. You're with Jesus. There's no waiting room. There's no customs to go through. There's no more process in that instant. You are with Jesus. Praise the Lord. When I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace, that's going to be a moment in time. In that instant, you're with Jesus. That song says, I love that song. It says, I can only imagine. Friends, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. There is my Savior. There is my King. There is my hope. There is my friend. There is the Lamb of God without blemish. There is the Prince of Peace. There is Emmanuel. There is the hope of sinners. There is my Savior. And I am instantly in His presence. Just like Shoal is an intermediate stop, this place is also an intermediate stop. It is called paradise. In the New Testament, it is referred to as paradise. It is the place that Jesus spoke of to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. There is happiness in paradise because it is in the presence of Jesus. There is joy in paradise because it is in the presence of Jesus. There is comfort in paradise because it is in the presence of Jesus. All right, I want you to think with me. Do you know why the truth is better than the lie? Listen to me very carefully. Do you know why the truth is better than the lie? It's because... You could be trying to fly your new wings around as an angel. Or you could be getting used to life in the nest as a cardinal. Or you could be avoiding the windshield as a butterfly. Or you could be watching over people and dropping things in their path to cheer them up. Or in the truth and the grace and the power of God, you can be absent from all of that and in the presence of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The truth is better. You know what? They're not down here watching us suffer. They're not down here flying around as a bird trying to give us comfort. They are in the presence of our Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. The truth is better. Your tent is disposed of. I won't be honest right here. I've never liked camping anyway. This big old tent's going to be disposed of. Your tent is disposed of. Your tent is disposed of. You are in the presence of Jesus. And then there's going to be another day, one that we read about in our verses that we started with today. There will be another day and there will be a blast of a trumpet. I'm starting to listen every day. There will be the voice of an archangel, the shout of an archangel. And Jesus is coming in rapture. And those that have died in Christ, here's what the Bible says, will come with him. Those that have died in Christ will come with Jesus. And on this day, our spirit has been with Jesus. We will be united with our resurrection body. 
First Corinthians chapter 15 says the perishable is now imperishable. You hear that? Our resurrection body is imperishable. What was dishonorable, what was decaying and falling apart, the Bible says will be raised in glory. What was now in weakness is now going to be found in power. And then there's one last event, and that is the final coming of Jesus. After the final judgment of the lost, after they're being cast into the lake of fire, and with sin settled and removed, with Satan banished and evil done away with, here's what the Bible says. Listen very carefully. And on that day, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. And the tabernacle of God will be with men. And God shall dwell with his people. And God himself will dry every tear that falls from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. Friends, listen to me. It will be over. There'll be no more graves to stand by and walk away from. There'll be no more goodbyes that ever have to be said. There will be no more separation, no more separation. There will be an end to death. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have passed away. And the new Jerusalem will have a high wall with 12 gates made from a single pearl. And there will be 12 foundational stones, and on those will be the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the streets of that city will be pure gold like transparent glass. And the Bible says, and the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord has illumined it, and the Lamb is its lamp. And the Bible says, and there will no longer be any curse. Maybe the greatest words written in our New Testament, in the finished work of Jesus, in the victory of Jesus, there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And they will reign. The testimony of God is forever and ever. And for the sinner saved by the grace of God. And for the sinner redeemed in the blood of Jesus. Eternity will have commenced. And all will be glory. All will be joy forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not of any work that you might do, not because you've earned it. In the grace of God, in the work of Jesus, in the power of Christ. Friends, once again, this morning my call is turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus while there's still time, while his grace is still offered. Listen to me, friend. It is all that matters. Turn to Jesus. Today you've heard the truth. Now you decide. Friend, where will you spend your eternity? What will happen to you when you die? I want to tell you the good news is this. God loves you right now. I don't have to, I don't have to beat around the bush to tell you this. God loves you right now. He sees you in your sin right now. He knows the punishment we've earned. He knows our fate. He knows the penalty for sin is death. He loves us so much. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus. And he comes 
as the suffering servant. He comes as one who can understand pain. He, he comes as one who experienced death. And he comes, he lives a life he never sinned. He goes to the cross of Calvary. He pays for my sin and he pays for your sin. He dies for sin. They place him in a grave. Three days later he walks out. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? He stands as the risen Savior. Our hope is in him. Listen to me today. All that matters is the answer to the question, what have you done with Jesus? Doesn't matter how you die. Doesn't matter if it's in suicide. Doesn't matter in some other way. There's only one issue. What have you done with Jesus? If you haven't trusted him as Savior, if you haven't called him your Lord, turn to him today. He will save you. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Every Father, we come. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you. We come and there is a clear warning of what happens for those that will reject you. I pray, Lord, that we'd be stirred up, that we wouldn't be apathetic. We'd be urgent about those that do not know Christ. And whether they've heard a million times, whether they've never heard, that we'd keep talking, we'd keep preaching, we'd keep proclaiming. I pray, Lord, that the fruit of that would be hearing the gospel. They would respond in faith and be saved. So we, Lord, we come and we pray for an urgency in our hearts. And then we come on this day. All of us here, if we haven't walked through death, we'll walk through it. Maybe it was recently. Maybe it was further back. Maybe it was a, a close loved one. Maybe it was a friend. We're thankful for the hope for those in Christ. That in that instant, they are with you. There is no sorrow there. There is no sin there. We're thankful that there'll be a day when they come and we'll be reunited. The Bible says we'll be together with them and with you. And then, Lord, we look to the final conclusion. And there'll be perfect peace forevermore. A new heaven and a new earth. And we will stand in it in the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for that hope. I pray for those that are hearing today this news. I pray, Lord, again, that any hindrance would be, that, would, that, would, that would slow them down, would stop them, would be removed. And I pray today they would trust you. I pray, Lord, that we would consider this and we would think this. And I pray, Lord, that all of us here would walk out of this room with a better peace. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news is God's grace is offered to you right now. God sees you and he knows you and he loves you. He's made a way for you. He's conquered death. The Bible says if you'll trust him as the remedy for your sin, claiming him as Savior in faith, he'll save you today. If that's you, listen, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. You come and let's settle this today. You come, let's take care of this today. You need more information, let's come, let's talk it out. Let me show you what God's word says. Let's settle it today. Maybe you've done that, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. What an awesome thing to say. You know what? I want to I testify to what Jesus has done and who I am in Jesus. And so you come. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. The Bible says it's not part of our salvation. It's in testimony to it. You come. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home. You've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve him. We'll point to him. 
will uphold his gospel, his good news, until he comes again. Maybe you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to come and thank God in humility for the peace we have and the provision of Jesus Christ. Whatever your decision is, as we stand and sing, you step out, you come on. I'll meet you here.